So we're going to begin reading in, in Exodus in chapter 24. Let's start in verse 3. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in the basins, and half of the blood he threw it against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. And the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up into the mountain of God and he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain, and the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire. On the top of the mountain, in the sight of the people of Israel, Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. I remember the first time I asked Lisa to marry me. It wasn't a time where I had the ring ready or anything like that yet. But when I asked Lisa to marry me, we were down at uh, kind of in this big parking lot area. There was a kind of a strip mall. On one end was a huge department store, a big, like, I think it was a two-story Sears at the time. And then there was a fresh vegetable market and stuff. And, and then there were picnic tables and stuff sitting there. And Lisa and I were sitting on one of those picnic tables. And, and we hadn't been going together real long. But we had spent an awful lot of time together. I first met her when we worked at Arby's uh, Roast Beef there in, in Renton, Washington. We hit it off right away and started dating. And often we both worked opening. So our shift would start at like 6 in the morning. We'd be off like 1 or 2 o'clock or something like that. And so we'd have the whole rest of the day. And, and sometimes we'd take the, the wasted broken buns in the Arby's and we'd take the bag of those and go feed ducks down along the river or we'd maybe walk over later in the evening and catch a, catch a movie, or we'd go to the bowling alley and go bowling, or mainly it was just to be together. We didn't really care what we were doing, we just wanted to be together. And so we got to know each other very fast, and we are spending a lot of time together, so our, our relationship was moving quickly. I think quicker for me than for her, maybe, but I can understand that. I was definitely shopping up. As I, we were sitting there on that picnic table that day, I brought up marriage. And she kind of got quiet. And I said, well, what do you think? And she was still quiet. She said, well, about what? About getting married. And she said, maybe someday. 
<laughs> well, things proceeded and got better after that. Didn't leave me crushed and without hope, but I was just, I was eager for that response. I wanted to know where she was, what she was thinking, if this was getting as serious for her as it was for me. Why wouldn't it be? A good guy with a promising career at Arby's? Right? But, <laughs> but soon I recognized the need to start looking for another job, but, but you know what? It was that, it was that response time, and, and that, I remember that moment. I don't think I'll ever forget that moment. I might forget a lot of things in my life, but you know what? I don't think I'll ever forget that. That was a crucial moment. That was a point where I was putting to her a question that there was no question greater than that question at that point in my life. And I was hanging, waiting for that response. And the response was maybe not quite the one I was hoping for, but good enough to keep me trying. (laughs) And the next time there was a ring involved. Well, when we're looking at ancient Israel in this time, that's the point they're at right now. God's calling them to respond. God has delivered them out from the bondage in Egypt. He's brought them out into the wilderness. He's fed them in the wilderness in a miraculous way. gave them things to drink in the wilderness in in a miraculous way. He's now given them His Ten Commandments, followed by a bunch of other commandments, and what His promises of what He's going to do for them. And now He's turning it to them. And He's saying, what do you think? All the things that He's done for them already and initiated and commanded and all those, those have all been the hand of God. But now they're at a point where they've got to make a decision. And you know what? At first I was going to veer away from our study in Exodus this morning because of the baptism in Lexi, and I was just going to focus on that baptism. But you know what? Uh, as I studied the baptism and I'd already studied the passage that we're looking at here this morning, I realized that it's the same thing. Because when we consider what Lexi's doing this morning, we're here because Lexi has made a decision. Lexi has come to me and said, I want to be baptized. And we've sat down and we've had a conversation. I say, well, why do you want to be baptized? And I've explained some things to her and I've asked her a bunch of questions first to see what all she thought baptism was about or what it meant. And and then I explained some things and we looked up Bible passages to talk about what baptism is. Because baptism is exactly the thing that Israel was dealing with back then. It's a point in your life where you're making a decision. Am I going to decide to enter into this covenant with God to embrace Jesus Christ as my Savior or not? And she's obviously has made that decision because the tub's full. And she's here. And so it's this responding to God that we want to consider here as we look at it this morning. Israel was at a point where they needed to respond to God. Lisa was at a point where she had to respond to me one way or the other. Lexi's at a point in her life where she is responding to God and doing it through the waters of baptism just as we've been commanded to do. Well, as we consider this responding to God, we're going to be seeing several different ways in which we respond to God that are found within this passage. The first way that we see is responding to God involves content. It involves content. When you look at the passage here, he's focusing on that. In fact, he's just spent the last three chapters giving them all kinds of content. Actually, four chapters. Go back into chapter 20. It started with the Ten Commandments. Gave them the Ten Commandments. And then he gave them all these other things that we looked at last week that focused on personal responsibility, focused on justice. And so all this content... Repeatedly, in chapter 24, it says, Moses came down and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words. 
And then if you skip down to verse 7, it says, Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And then at the end of verse 8, it says, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. In other words, this covenant was like marriage vows. It was like a binding contract. God had told Moses and had Moses write down all these things. And Moses read them to all the people. And all the people responded and says, all the words that you've read to us, all the words that you've written down for us, we will obey all of those things. And you know, that's the fact of the matter is that in order to be involved in a covenant relationship like, like that, there has to be content. What is the responsibility of both parties? And what exactly are we agreeing to? That's what God's doing with these people here. This is what you're going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And so there's content to it. You know, it's the same thing. Lexi's baptism. When I think about her baptism and she comes up before, before here today, this baptism speaks volumes. In fact, it's designed to be a picture. It's an image of what we believe. As Lexi comes up here this morning, she knows very well that as she's lowered down underneath that water, she's picturing Jesus Christ, His death and His burial. And she's saying, I'm united with Him in His death and His burial. As she comes back up out of the water, she's picturing His resurrection from the dead. And she's saying, I'm being resurrected with Him to a new life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the Gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you've believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Now the point that I'm making, or that I see within that passage, is that there's content to what they believed. Here's, here's the Apostle Paul, not back in the Old Testament with Moses, but up in the New Testament. And he's writing to this church and he says, look, when I first came and preached the Gospel to you, and you responded to that Gospel. And then he reminds them of what the Gospel is. The Gospel is content. The Gospel is information. The fact that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead to give you victory over sin and death, that is the content of the Gospel. But here's the deal. If you read the rest of the chapter, you find that the Corinthians were having a little bit of a struggle. Because some people were coming in and saying, there is no resurrection from the dead. And the Apostle Paul brings it to their forefront and says, look, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then this is all nothing. It all goes away. It's meaningless. And that's the point. Without the content, our, our salvation is meaningless. We can't respond to something that doesn't have content. We can't respond to something that we don't understand. And that's why God was making it very clear to the Israelites exactly what they were, He was calling them to respond to. They were called to respond to His invitation to be His chosen people, to be taken into the promised land, to be blessed by God as they followed Him through faith. Well, as we consider it this morning, God's call is still going out. God's call didn't just go to Israel. God's call goes to us. And what does He call us? He calls us to the same thing. He calls us to, by faith, turn from our sin and follow Him as we embrace His Son. His Son died on the cross for us and He rose again from the dead to give us victory. And God is calling us. The decision is ours. 
We have to put our faith in Him. We have to respond. Baptism, the whole purpose for it is to set off that moment of decision. To go through in a very tangible way and say, look, I've made my decision. I'm standing with Christ. There is content in responding to God. Well, not only is there content, but also we notice that responding to God involves consecration. So responding to God involves content. There's clearly defined truths that God wants us to know. There are certain things that we have to believe. Without believing those things, we're not involved in this covenant with God. They have to be believed. But not only is there content, there's also consecration. And that's actually what we're doing this morning with the baptism. Because as we look through the passage, what does it mean to consecrate? Consecrate means to dedicate, to maybe to set, to set somebody aside or set something aside for divine purposes. And so it usually has a bit of fanfare or a bit of ceremony to it. And that's exactly what we see happening in Exodus chapter 24, is they start a ceremony. As soon as the people say, yes, we're on board. All the words that you've spoken to us, that you've written down for us, we're on track with that. We're going to obey all of those words. And as soon as they do that, He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars. So Moses gets up and gets right away started on it and he starts to build this altar. They make twelve pillars for the altar. Why? Because there's twelve tribes of Israel. Kind of like our nation has fifty states. They have twelve tribes. And to represent all twelve of those tribes, in other words, everybody is on board, they have twelve pillars underneath that altar. And then they proceed to offer sacrifices upon the altar. That's the way it works. It's always through blood. Why? Because those sacrifices were po- pointing forward to something. They were pointing forward to what God would do through us through His Son, Jesus Christ, as He would shed His own blood for us. Because if you back up and go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and remember what Adam and Eve learned from God, God said, the day you eat of the tree that you're not supposed to, you will surely die. Sin brings death. And they ate that fruit. And we began to die. But something else began to happen. Adam and Eve didn't die that day, but they were clothed with the skin of an animal. So something died that day. God allowed that animal to die in their place as a covering of their guilt and shame. And so we see that pattern start to emerge that we noticed all the way back in Genesis when we were studying through there. Abel will offer a sacrifice and we'll see Abraham offering sacrifices and all these sacrifices involve two things. They involve death and they involve substitution. Something else dies in my place and it dies. Its blood is shed. Well, that's what they do here too. They take these animals and they sacrifice them and their blood is shed. And then he, he takes the blood of it and he sprinkles the blood. He sprinkles the blood on the people. He sprinkles the blood on the covenant. And he sprinkles the blood on the altar. And it's through that blood, the shed blood of the innocent animals, that this covenant is ratified with the people. Well, in Hebrews in chapter 9, verses 18 through 22, it says, Therefore, not even the first covenant, referring to this one, was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of the calves and goats with water and scarlet and wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood, both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. 
God is consecrating the people through the blood of the innocent. Our covenant that we're under through Jesus Christ is what that covenant was pointing to. The blood of those animals being sprinkled on the people and sprinkled on the covenant and sprinkled on the altar. The blood of those animals foretold the blood of Christ that would be shed for us on that cross. But as we go through this baptism this morning, that's what it's about. It's about setting. Lexi's saying, I'm setting myself. I'm being set apart unto God and I'm demonstrating it before you all here this morning through baptism. As we said, Romans chapter 6 in, in verse 3, Romans chapter 6 is a passage that Lexi and I went through together. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? As she's going through that water, she's saying, I'm united with Christ. I'm united with Him in His death. And in verse 5, united with Him in His resurrection. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Responding to God involves content. He's calling us to faith in Himself. He's calling us to accepting what He's done for us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the content. It's also... Involves consecration. Involves a response on our part whereby we consecrate ourselves to God. And that, for us, is baptism. Actually, in the New Testament, there's a couple of them. There's baptism, which illustrates our faith. And then another one that is most specifically in the Bible pointed out as being tied to this new covenant is the Lord's Supper. And when we sit down and we have the Lord's Supper and we take these symbols that represent His body and His blood, that's the sign of the covenant that we have with Him. But both of these things are ways that we are involved in being consecrated, consecrating ourselves unto God. Recognizing who we are before Him and what our relationship is as we've experienced the salvation that comes only through His Son, Jesus Christ. Lastly, responding to God involves commitment. It involves commitment. We usually refer to it as faith. We refer to it as believing. When we talk about believing, we're not just talking about a mental assent that some things are true. In fact, faith kind of includes two things. There's a content of faith, as we've already kind of discussed, and there's a commitment of faith. Right? Sometimes in the Bible you read about it and it'll talk about the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. It talks about people growing in the faith. Obviously, that's referring to content. The content of the faith. The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And looking forward to His coming. And there's a whole lot more involved in that. But faith also we use to talk about commitment. When we usually think of faith, I think this is usually more where we think about it. Our level of commitment that I'm committed, that I'm trusting, that I'm following Him. And that's the part that I want to talk to you about now. Because you see, Israel completely blew it. Let's flip forward to chapter 32. Now, chapter 32 is, is several chapters away, but it's not very much time away. In the chapters in between 24 and 32, what was that, eight chapters, Moses goes back up on the mountain to talk to God, and God gives Moses a whole bunch of more information. What he wants the tabernacle to look like, what are the garments the priests are going to wear, all that kind of stuff. But chapter 32 picks up just 40 days later. Remember chapter 24? At the end of chapter 24, we read that Moses went back up on the mountain to be with God and he was there for 40 days. Well now, chapter 32 picks up at the end of those 40 days. 
And it says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in your ears and of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Do you see what happened there? Moses comes from God. Think about what's just recently happened. In their very near past, God has delivered them by a mighty hand with ten plagues over the empire of Egypt to deliver these people out from under Pharaoh. And He brings them out from under Pharaoh and He brings them to the Red Sea. And then Pharaoh's army comes chasing after them and God parts the Red Sea and brings them across on dry land. And then they get over to the desert and they don't have any water. And there's a little bit of water, but it's bitter. And so God does a miracle and makes the bitter water sweet. And they again are without water and they cry out or they're complaining to Moses and God gets water for them out of a rock of all things. They complain that they don't have enough food and God provides food from them. He blows in quail at one time. He provides manna, which the word manna means what is it? They didn't even know what it was. But it was just an amazing, uh, miraculous food that God provided for him every morning there on the ground for them to pick up. God had done all these amazing things Just before Moses goes up on the hill, God gives them part of the commandments verbally. So they actually get to hear. And they hear the thunder and they see the lightnings and they see the smoke all over the mountain. And and with all that, because Moses takes 40 days to come back down, they say, we don't know what happened to Moses. Let's light a fire, molt down this jewelry, make ourselves a god. Are you kidding me? Unfortunately, that's par for the course for Israel. In 40 years in the wilderness, they're going to do this kind of thing repeatedly. And so what does it look like? It looks like Israel had this day where they said, we'll do it. We're on your side. All these words that you've written down for us, all those words that we've heard, yes, we'll do that. And the first thing that they do is break the first of those commandments, making other gods, other images that they bow down and worship those things, and they violate. See, that's the point. It has to contain commitment. Faith in Jesus Christ is not a faith that's here today and gone tomorrow. The Bible warns us about a faith like that. Like that word in 1 Corinthians 15, unless your faith is in vain, if you believed in vain, believed without a cause, believed empty. And that's the thing I want to challenge you to this morning, Lexi. As you're participating in this baptism, this isn't the end. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of a path for your whole life. This is saying, I'm committed. I'm going to follow. This is now my identification is with Christ. And that's one that's forever. Because the Bible warns us of making decisions and commitments and then falling in those commitments. In fact, I think of 1 Corinthians in chapter 10. It says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. 
Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. The Apostle Paul in that passage is looking back to the one we're reading today and he's saying, look, they made this commitment, but they weren't committed. In fact, he connects it to these people because he says, hey, look, they were all, they were all baptized into Moses. What is he talking about? He says, in the sea and going through the sea. As they went through the sea, they were all baptized. That was a kind of a picture of baptism. He says, as they went with Moses through the water. Why is he saying that? Because these people were all people that had been baptized into Jesus Christ. He says, look, you went through a baptism. You went into the water just as the children went with Moses through the water. He says, but look what happened with them. Was their faith real? No, it wasn't. They fell in the wilderness. They never made it to the promised land. But he's saying, for you, it's got to be better. And that's exactly why he gives us this example from the Old Testament. He goes on to state what those examples are. He says, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. And he just kind of goes on and he says, look at what happened. They, They continued to sin. They continued to fall back into their old lifestyle. They continued to, to, to lack faith in God and they were judged for it repeatedly. But then finally he comes around in verse 12 and says, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he falls. He's saying, look, we need to check our faith because because a, a faith that is here today and gone tomorrow is not a faith. A faith that doesn't remain faithful is, is no faith. And that's one of the things that we talked about with Lexi. Is that as we go through this consecration, as we go through this baptism, if you're not truly believing, it doesn't mean anything. If you're not truly believing, all you're doing is getting wet. It's not accomplishing anything. Just like the children of Israel... They all followed Moses through the Red Sea. They all died in the wilderness, not making it to the Promised Land. Why? Because it's not about the consecration part. It's about the believing part. It's about the commitment part. The consecration is because of the commitment, not the commitment because of the consecration. You see, the people, even though they were delivered out of Egypt, even though that they went through the Red Sea with Moses, they did not make it to the Promised Land. Why? Because they didn't believe. They made a hollow commitment at a moment or two, but it never produced fruit in their life. You could never see that in their their ongoing relationship with God. And that's one of the things that Lexi and I talked about as we talked about her baptism, looking forward to it, is that your baptism is a statement of your faith in Jesus Christ, that He died and rose again, but it's also recognizing that you're dead with Him and you're alive with Him. So now you're dead to your past sins and you're alive unto God. You're going to walk in a new life. It's a statement of this is, this is not just something that I believe to be true that happened to Christ. This is something that because of that is happening to me. I have a new life in Christ. You see, Moses gave them all the commands of God. They went through the sacrifices. They heard the message. But the message didn't change them. It didn't produce that new life within them. And they failed. It didn't ignite faith in their hearts. And that's why later in Hebrews chapter 10, as he he quotes back from the Old Testament, he says, this is the covenant that I will make with them 
after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. God says, you know what? The the commandments that I gave them written on tablets of stone, they didn't work. Because the, not, not because of the tablets, but because the people did not from the heart believe. They did not from the heart trust and follow. So he says, I'm going to make a new covenant, and that's the covenant we're under. And he says, I'm not going to write it on stone this time. I'm going to write it on their hearts. And that's the whole point. Baptism has to first be in here. If it's in here, it'll be in there. And when that's the case, this means everything. Their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. It means everything. Without it first being in here, it means nothing. 